I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode, where we watch the Academy Award-nominated film Promising Young Woman, directed by Emerald Fennell and starring Carey Mulligan. So just a quick preface before today's episode starts. Uh, The movie that we talk about, and therefore our conversation, um, deals with some heavy heavy themes, and uh, specifically violence against women. And so uh, we just wanted to give you listeners a warning up front that it's pretty intense subject matter. And so uh, if you don't want to listen to that, we want to make you aware up front. And we totally understand. Yes, we get it. This is, yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy stuff. Yes, it is a uh, candy colored poppy movie about some very difficult things. Uh, but it made for a good conversation, so now we will cut to our conversation about Promising Young Woman already in progress. Let's jump in, sleepyheads. Anyways. Yeah, na 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 na. <laughs> you know, it's annoying that as that song was coming on in that scene, that I was actually, like, kind of into it and it worked. And I say annoying because I've, one like i don't know i feel like that song's been used in a lot of things and then also it it's the song in the trailer <laughs> i think for me it was more the classic pop song with like a moody arrangement yeah yeah that, as like a, an annoying cliche uh well starting to be yeah feels oh, yeah, like yeah. it's starting to be i mean yeah. i think it worked in the movie but you know i i think it works in the movie i think when i saw the trailer i was like oh, this is doing that thing that trailers do nowadays, which is like kind of moody cover like, of a pop song. W- way more intense display than what the movie actually is. Yes. And yes. that's what bo- that's part of what bothered me. <laughs> about Promising Young Woman in general. Yeah, well, okay, let me ask you this about yep. movie, movies in general. Mm-hmm. How, does, how does your uh, preconceived notion of a movie effect or stand up to your experience of watching it like like if you thought it was gonna be one thing and it's totally not does it does it do you does that hold any weight with your deciding yeah like kind of a, like uh, uh, meeting my expectations sure um, like just quick obvious example right here when i'm saying with this movie i i thought it was going to be a lot more sadistic and mm-hmm. intense and violent, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff. And like really dark. It is really dark, but yes. I, I thought it was gonna be going this whole other yeah. um level with it. And then it totally wasn't. And so in my head, I think I and this is can speak to like whether or not you should even watch a trailer. I don't I don't know. Trailers are like their own little world now. I know. But it was like I was waiting for the intensity to ramp up. And then when it didn't, I was like, wait, this is it? Yeah. No, we can come back to uh, the feelings on this movie right. in, in a few minutes. But, you know, a couple of two things actually come immediately to mind. I was talking about this with a friend the other day, actually. The kind of the spoiler culture in general. And and, and he doesn't watch trailers for anything. He, he prefers the I am going to go in and I'm going to know nothing about a movie. 
Um, and I I don't really have a problem with spoilers, so. Yeah, and you, uh, you know what's funny about this podcast is so many f- friends have said, um, I want to listen to that episode, but I haven't watched yeah. the movie yet. And you yes. and me are both people who will listen to people talk about a movie that we haven't seen. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, oh, everyone's like that. And it's like, I turns know. out no one is. <laughs> I know. Well, I, anyway, yeah, this friend was also like, I've only listened to two episodes of the podcast because it's, I've only seen, I've seen Parasite. Uh, <laughs> AKA, we need to do older movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, we, he and I were talking about it and one of the first things that came to my mind was the trailer for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I've watched that trailer so many times, which is kind of what I do when a new Tarantino trailer drops. Yeah, so I watched that trailer a ton, and that that thing tells me nothing about that movie. I don't even uh, remember the trailer. Yeah, it's just like, you know, stitched together a lot of like fun, funny moments from the movie. And it's just got a vibe, and that vibe is like California, Hollywood in the late 60s. So in that sense, I think it does a good job capturing the movie. Um, but but I have no, like, that, I, I'm kinda, I kind of prefer that, where give me the vibe that you're going for, and then live up to that. And I think the movie does, but I had no expectations for what a plot, the plot was, anything like that. Um, and then there was a movie that a trailer that came out this week um army of the dead the new Zack snyder movie right. that's coming out on netflix did you watch that trailer i did that is maybe one of the greatest trailers i've ever seen <laughs> there's really? no way there's no way that that movie is going to be as good as the three minutes i spent watching that trailer like right. that it should just be a short film and that was like the if you haven't seen it pause this go watch this trailer but like the, the journey that I went on in those three minutes of like, oh, guy down on his luck. He's going to get roped into one last bank heist. I'm like, great. I like heist movies like Ocean's Eleven. They're going to Vegas. Oh, Vegas doesn't look like Vegas. Oh, there's just zombies everywhere. What is happening? And like the journey that that trailer but took me on. But they're smart zombies. <laughs> but they're smart and fast. They're guarding the money. <laughs> uh, and and I'm just like, this is this is perfect. this And it, like there's action in it and... It, it was just great, and there's no way that that movie is going to be as good as that trailer. Like that—that's my impression. <laughs> I, I was distracted because I, I knew some backstory with this movie with mm. uh, Tig Notaro replacing Cristalia. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, they reshot all of his stuff after wow. getting canceled this summer. Whoa! Yeah, so Tig like, Tig came in late and. And so when she popped up with that cigar and sunglasses, I was like, this is crazy. Oh, my gosh. And, so, it, and it's, like, hard to, like, separate some of the Yeah. The I mean, it was kind of like the, the drama. The Kevin well, Spacey drama, thing but, you know, the, a few years ago. Uh, did it, Was he – he got reshot? Or there's a movie he, that Christopher – yeah, Christopher Plummer came in and uh, Ridley Scott reshot the movie in, like, two weeks. Because it was movie? supposed to – this was all the money in the world. And Ridley Scott reshot the whole thing, or all the Kevin Spacey scenes, I mean, yeah. which he wasn't a super main character. Um, and it's wild that that happens, though. I know, and but then the movie came out like three weeks later. Like the guy just worked so hard to reshoot it with Christopher Plummer, who, who just who just died, and get it out there. And then I think Damn. Chris Plummer gets like nominated for an Oscar for supporting actor for it. Like, really? Which, yeah, it's just one of these things where, like, Kevin Spacey probably 
wouldn't have gotten nominated for an Oscar, all the canceling aside. Well, yeah, I was but, thinking even with Tig, it was like, yes. oh, having uh, this comedian woman gives this uh, some freshness. Yeah. Because it's like lots of like burly guys. Yeah. And yeah. then Tig. And I'm like, yeah. okay, this is, I wonder what kind of new life it gave the movie. Yeah. Oh, it's totally fascinating. But it, but it's interesting to know that and and how much of that colors even the way you think about the movie. Because yeah. I think Christopher Plummer probably does a great. I haven't seen all the money in the world. Probably does a great job in that movie. But I mean, you're kind best of supporting actor. About the drama. I mean, yeah. Is is it best supporting actor because he came in in the eleventh hour and saved the show? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyways, and so I think about I I think about the way that. You know, there's this whole industry of movies trying to set your expectations for what is about to happen and what you're going to see. And I did feel like some of my problem with Promising Young Woman was kind of twofold. Um, I felt like at every turn as the plot is happening, I was like, oh, yeah, this was in the trailer. This was in the trailer. This plot development is Mm -hmm. in the trailer. I'm not saying like this scene was in the trailer, but... But it's like, you know, you you kind of the trailer tells you the story that her friend who's not alive anymore uh, experienced this terrible thing in college and nobody believed her. And so, you know, I, I think about like the scene with the dean of the college, Connie Britton. Right. And like that's a central part of the trailer. And I think, oh, I like Connie Britton. She's going to be in this movie a bunch. No, she's in a single scene. <laughs> and and like her scene is in the trailer and I, you know, I could have actually just not even watched it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the trailer was giving a lot away and I was never really surprised. I mean, I guess until the end, um, because I knew kind of beat for beat how this movie was going to go because they just lay it out. It's like an outline. That was, that was the, uh, the, the kind of mode the trailer chose, but I agree with you. I think tonally, I was expecting something a lot more uh, biting and sinister. Yes, and and like part part of the trailer too is there's lots of the kind of nurse outfit with the candy colored mm-hmm. wig. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I like my brain goes to you know Harley Quinn, Suicide mm-hmm. Squad, and even like yep. the, the the suggestions of the edit with the trailer is that she's mm-hmm. you know revenge movie on all these boys that like even I, I the way it's clipped together it looks like she gathered them in a cabin and she's just gonna have yeah. a sick revenge movie yeah and and so that's frank that's teeing me up for this thing yes and I, and i know we have a lot to cover with this movie but yeah um i think my foundational i'm trying to land on why i wasn't a huge fan yeah of of, of it in general yeah. and i yeah. think because but both the style of the actual movie and the trailer is meant to be so easily entertaining and consumable yes. Yes. and yeah. fun to watch. And like like the trailer is going to suggest like, uh, it's easy to hate this these guys, these scum, because they've done yeah. these horrible things. Like, let's watch some revenge. So that like entertainment side. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, the content... And and um, like the events of the movie are very very dark, yeah, and traumatic, yeah, and and like hard to talk about, let alone make a movie about. And yeah. so it's like the, the that's that's the heart of it. And then let's make that super entertaining and popcorn fun, 
Yeah. And I, I, I feel like there's a clashing there that, uh, see, that, I, that they didn't quite stick the landing with because it, it didn't lean super hard into the sinister and it didn't lean like we're really going to feel the grief and trauma. I don't know. Like, I, I felt like it, I wasn't clear what it was trying to say with those, I don't know. With the, the movie itself. Yeah, the movie itself, I, I I didn't get a strong sense walking away from it. I'm like, I know what they're trying to get at, and I know what I'm supposed to be feeling right now. I think that's a good point, because I'm not entirely sure what the movie is trying to say either. And I, do you want to get into the ending right now? Well, how about you set it up? Like, give okay. a little, yeah. do your Matthew, like, <laughs> able to talk for long periods of time, and it, it goes well, setups. All right, Promising Young Woman, uh, written and directed by Emerald Fennell, starring Carrie Mulligan, and and actually a whole kind of ensemble cast here. That and, and um, I, gosh, there's so many people in this movie, and I like so many of them, and I just wanted them all around a lot more often. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of it does really work. Uh, but it's about this uh, woman, uh, Cassie, and she's a med school dropout, and. You kind of learn, uh, it unfolds over the first hour or so that her experience at med school was such that her, you know, she had this best friend and her best friend was um, uh, raped by another student and um, nobody really believed her. And when she, you know, kind of reported it to the, uh, to the dean of the school. And, at a party, and, everyone's drunk. Yeah, yeah. Um, nobody believed the friend and um because of this trauma and the 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 you know the ptsd or whatever kind of ensued for the friend they both dropped out of med school and cassie being her best friend was really really trying to take care of her in that kind of season of her life right and she was top of her class yes um and nina is the friend Nina was the friend, and Nina is dead at this point. By the time that the movie, um, you know, you know, six years later or whatever Picks it is, up. Um, and does do they ever actually say how Nina died? No, I, I think it, the presumption is that she's killed herself because yeah, of the trauma, right? Highly inferred. Yeah. yeah. Now that, and that's never explicitly stated, but I do think that's what we're supposed to infer from this: that Nina has. Um, has killed herself because of the trauma and and like all of that is like ugh, that's the premise of the movie this is really heavy and very sad and i don't think the movie ever makes light of that i think the movie really exists right. in the in the the darkness and the weight of that and there's a really key scene in the middle um where cassie ends up at nina's mom's house yeah. and and we could talk about that um a, a, a little later, but I, I thought that was an interesting scene because it does really bring it down there's, into the weight of the reality. There's splashes of the the grief. Yeah, um, and so Cassie is just kind of totally, you know, basically she works at a coffee shop and she has made it her mission in life to um, seek revenge. Seek, I see, sort of. I see, yeah, you say seek revenge, but I don't. I, I think she's just trying to teach men a lesson. So she basically goes around every week or every night or whatever to the clubs and pretends to be basically blackout drunk and waits for some guy to step up and be the nice guy and, you know, take be, her home. Be the white knight. 
yeah, make sure she gets there safe. And, um, you know, however many times, nine times out of 10, she, you know, they end up uh, getting her to their apartment and they, they think she's drunk the whole time and try to they try, try to take advantage of her. And then she kind of snaps into reality and, oh, what are you doing? And and then these, these guys realize, oh, she's, she's totally sober. And, oh crap, you know, what's going on? Is she a psycho? Um, and that's that's kind of our entry point into Cassie's life. That's her, you know, she she spends her nights doing this as a mission to, um, you know, make sure as, as, as best she can that this kind of thing doesn't happen to another woman. And then the kind of inciting incident for the rest of the movie is that uh, an old uh, classmate from med school ends up in her coffee shop, played by uh, Bo Burnham, and that's uh, Ryan. And that... You know, she all of a sudden is now hearing about the life successes and how everyone's doing for med school. All of these people who were uh, all these guys, uh, all all of these people who were complicit in the attack on her friend, in in what happened to uh, not just the the attack, but also like uh, Bree, uh, Allison Bree's character, Madison, mm-hmm. who. Um, wasn't obviously wasn't involved in the attack but was aware of it was aware and you know it was almost treated like a joke yes and and was complicit in allowing this kind of behavior and attitude continue and nobody took nina or cassie seriously and so then that sets in motion cassie is going to really i think seek revenge that's the real well and the guy that raped her friend is getting married yes and having a bachelor party yes and she finds out about it and yes. so she kind of steps into the next gear for yeah. um, exacting that revenge. Yes. And so she, she you know, um, confronts the dean at the school. She. By the way, do uh, you exact anything other than revenge? <laughs> I don't think so. That's that's one of the, maybe one of those things that, oh, that's, that's the phrase and you can't uh, take it apart. I'm going to exact uh, my preference on the situation. Um, but. You know, Cassie confronts, uh, like I said, Allison Bree's character, Madison, who is a classmate. She confronts the dean of the college. She uh, confronts the, the lawyer uh, that defended. The, yeah, the, de- the defense attorney, um, played by Alfred Molina. Um, and Dog all building thing. up to, I know, it's like great. And he's he's back for the new Spider-Man movie, um, which is going to be great. But He steals the show in this one. I, I think I thought he was awesome. No, I he was that good. Scene, yeah. I thought the scene was great. I just kept thinking uh, Dog Ock, though. I know. Um and all of that's kind of building up to this bachelor party and um, kind of, so that's kind of the, the framework of the film. Um, and, you know, Cassie, her life, she's, you know, working in a coffee shop and living with her parents. And there is no doubt that there's a kind of a depressing sense about her um, that, you know, like the title suggests, she was this promising young woman and her this terrible thing happened to her friend and she has really not been able to um, move on from that. I don't, I, I don't want to sound trite about it because like Cassie gets that a lot in her life is, oh, you just got to move on. And I think like that was some of the, what I really liked about the movie was it really takes seriously trauma and, um, and, and grief and depression and anxiety and how do you, how do you overcome these things? How, you know, uh, yeah. I, I thought that was interesting in that way. Yeah, and even the title, Promising Young Woman, I read somewhere as a reference to a way that they described a guy who, I, I don't remember the case, 
but mm. the director was talking about he was described as a promising young man. That's why yes. they didn't want to press charges on him. Yes. And and like, don't let this one mistake ruin his life, which yes. is what we hear a lot for the men in this movie who yes. are constantly making mistakes but are defended. Yes. And, you know, their, and their, their choices are not held with any significant weight. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously the irony of that is, you know, by, by not coming down hard on these perpetrators, the, right. the lives of the victims are totally ruined. Right. And, and, and it's just a value statement of this promising young man's future is more valuable or important than this woman's, this woman's. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the, the premise, uh, the framework of the film. Um, and it really comes out of the gate very fast. It is aggressive. Cassie at a, very aggressive. It's Cassie at a club, you know, with a mark, and she's going to lure this guy into the OC. Her. Yes, it's Adam Brody from the OC, and I I do want to talk about that because and I've seen this mentioned elsewhere. But the casting, it, I've already said this, but the casting is so good in this movie because yeah. I actually think there's an incredible uh, wisdom that they've done of casting. You know, Hollywood's Adam Brody. nice guys. Yes, it's Hollywood's nice guys. It's at, at, at okay. It's it's not even their nice guys. It's their least threatening guys, who are well, also charming. Yeah, but it in some ways it is like it. It's so specific, and it's and it, it is in some ways just like nice guys. Like it's it's uh, Adam Brody from the OC, and then it's. Uh, uh, um, uh, Richard from Veep, right? Right. Uh, who is like? You should probably. Uh, I'm second guessing everything now. I'm like, Sam, it's Sam Richardson is the actor, uh, but he plays Richard Splett on Veep. Uh, what a great is, last name! I know. God, and he's good on Veep. He is so good, and and like, and he wears the, a fedora in this movie. <laughs> the the way that like. For most people, probably, if they know him, they know him from that or a couple of comedies that he's done. But, like, in that show, he is the most innocent, kind person, right? That's, mm-hmm. like and, – and, and like, this is the thing we, we – people talk about when they talk about, you know, film theory and, and movie making is not all the time, but often you will cast someone because of what they evoke because of an audience's familiarity with this person, and and so like when you put Tom Cruise in a movie, yeah, yes, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say Tom Cruise, uh, but when you put someone like that in a movie, you know, twenty years ago it would have been like Jack Nicholson. When you put Jack Nicholson, he got to a point in his career where he just was showing up and playing whatever Mad. version of himself. He, yeah. he's he's playing Jack Nicholson, um, and I think he's gonna that's, yell at some point. Yeah, that's kind of what. You know, Emerald Fennell does in this movie is she gets these guys, and maybe you're not that familiar with them, but if you are, it's you know, McLovin from Superbad is one of the guys. Like, yeah, he's the Which least this threatening. Is the first movie he's been in since Superbad. Really? No, I'm, I'm more just speaking to his like non-activity. Yes, yeah, yes. Maybe he's been in a ton of stuff, and I haven't seen it. I have no idea. No, so so that that's a good point about him because I was like, um, I mean. I, I kind of recognize him as as McLovin. No, he's in, he's been in a ton of stuff, but he's not like you know out there super popular. Um, and and so to kind of like almost like dig him up for this movie, it's like yeah, we're we're casting him because he was McLovin and Superbad, and there's an entire generation of people 
uh, for whom this movie was made, basically people in their late 20s and early 30s, um, who will recognize him for Superbad, and that's going to mean something. And so you get all these guys, you know, these nice guys, these not threatening guys, and I think that works really well. I, I want to say that's a big strength in the movie is the casting all around, but especially the men. So um, we have that first scene with Adam Brody. She, you know, basically pretends she's drunk, gets gets into his apartment, stops him. How was all of that for you? I, I loved I loved everything about the intro, yeah, including the like. So it cuts at a moment of all right. She she let him know she's not drunk. She knows what's up. Cuts away, leaves you to like fill in the the blank of what mm-hmm. possibly went down afterwards. And she's walking down the street clearly that morning, and I think she's eating a jelly filled donut. Yeah, and it's dripping down her arm. And it looks like blood. It does. And so it's immediately like, good lord, what did she do? You know? Yes. And it's not clear at all. No, no. And so so that's all great. And you're, it's, you're, and, it's, and even like the timing of it, the fact that it's the next morning, like, oh, how long was she there? Right. She was being <laughs> sadistic, just torturing this man, you assume, mm-hmm. or you yes. start feeling, you, you let your imagination do the work and it sets you up for, okay, cool. We're, we're coming in, we're coming out very intense. This movie's going to get mm-hmm. crazy and I'm just going to watch it unfold. Yeah, and it 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 feels like it unfolds to like like a package, and then there's nothing in the package. Yeah, not not nothing, but just not at like you're you, at that point in the movie for me, my imagination is going way crazier than what mm-hmm. she's actually doing. So when you find out, you're like, oh, that's is that it? She, I mean, because she's not doing anything. She doesn't do anything. She just lets them know, hey, I I was not drunk. I'm very aware right now. And don't mm-hmm. you see how horrible you're acting? And yes. then she, and then she leaves, which yeah. it more like, and that's the McLovin scene. Yeah, like we see the whole encounter, and she just snaps out of the supposed drunkenness to let yeah. him know, like, hey, you're being, uh, you're being a monster right now. And yeah. I was gonna say, but we're a family friendly podcast. But it, but and, it, and she also like criticizes the idea that he shares about his novel with her. Like, oh like th- that's Consider like the, the worst. Is a great. Yeah. He's like into David Foster Wallace. Uh, like they're very. They're like they're like sniper precision on like early thirties men. Um, yes. But so she just lets him know he's a monster and leaves, and the reaction that he has is the same one I would imagine like the extent of what she's accomplishing, which is he's pissed at her for being crazy or, you know, like, well, and that's when, when Sam Richardson, she picks him up at a club later in the movie and, uh, and then he recognizes her as quote, the psycho that Jerry took took out. Yeah. 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 And and that's the label that these guys have given her, right? And so even then, you're like, uh, part of the trailer, part of the intro. Yeah. I, I'm getting a sense from Cassie that, damn, she is on a mission and she's knocking these guys out. She's got a little journal that's like hash yeah. marks, yeah. and then you find out like they're not changed at all. They're just irritated slightly by yeah. what she's doing, and so it really weakens the 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 setup of the movie to me yeah yeah and the movie is purposefully keeping this information from you 
because you know she takes out the first guy in the opening scene and then the story unfolds like we said and she starts trying to get her a revenge on all these people so the first person is the allison brie character madison she takes her out to lunch gets her totally drunk and cassie does her whole thing pretends like she's been drinking she's sober and gets her basically so plastered and then she's hired a guy who is going to take the uh, take madison up to a hotel room and then the scene cuts, and you're like, "Oh, geez!" Like she's now hired a guy to take I, I, advantage of her. Like I, this is my crazy. First thought goes like, "Oh, hired a guy to like traffic this woman or something." You know, <laughs> yes. Something, something insane. Your brain is just filling in the gaps, and then it's like, "Oh, he didn't do anything to her." He yes. Just, like they just made it made her think that something happened, so well, she can deal with the like that and torturous. We don't, we, and we don't learn that for a half an hour. Right. When, you know, Madison's been calling her, leaving her voicemail. Something happened. I woke up in a hotel room. I just need your help figuring out what happened. And you're like, oh, my gosh. She's like and and, you know, again, then she confronts the dean of the college. She's and her plan is she picked up the dean's high school, 17 year old high school student from high school. And then the scene cuts. She's in the dean's office and she says, oh, you know, you ignored our, our pleas for attention when Nina was raped. And you just said, oh, no, I got to give the benefit of the doubt to the boys. And then she said, well, how do you think your daughter feels? How do you feel about your daughter being in the same dorm room where Nina was attacked with four college boys right now? Right. And so that's that was her plan was to say to the dean, I've got your daughter. And she does kidnap the daughter. Yeah, she does. You always see the daughter get in the car. And so at this point in the movie, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this isn't, this is, this is so dark and this is so intense. And I was so like uncomfortable in that scene, which is what the movie wanted me to feel like. This was like, oh, oh geez. Now she's put some 17 year old girl in danger. Right. And, and, and it made me start to really question Cassie. Like, oh my gosh, I she has this righteous mission kind of trying to right this wrong that was done to her best friend. But what crazy moral lines is she crossing in the process? Like, that's what's going on in my mind in that scene. And then how does the scene end? The, the daughter's fine. The daughter's... And waiting for her mother. Yeah, the daughter's fine and she's at a diner, right? And then that's where, I think that's the reveal where... Oh, you start to see that Cassie hasn't done anything. A couple but of minutes later, to me, it's... to me, there's there's so many inconsistencies that again, all it does as you're watching it is making you confused on how to feel because there's exactly no, the last moment. I don't want to get too like scene by scene with this thing, yeah. but um, when she's confronting Doc Ock, the yeah. lawyer that defended yeah. the rapist, about like how could you do this for a living? Because he's done lots of cases like this. You know, it's an interesting scene, if not a little forced, because he, like, gets on his knees and is like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And totally feels odd, but she leaves, and then it's inferred. There's a hitman waiting <laughs> to go in. But but the, the, the lawyer apologized to her very genuinely, at least to yes. her. So mm-hmm. she's like, all right, never mind. Don't go in there. And the guy's like, I still get paid, blah, blah, blah. She's like, yeah. So here she... Legitimately, Here she would have she would have committed to an act of violence, right? If right? the guy didn't apologize to her, yeah, obviously because he's like, so I don't go in. But but that's the thing is like she never does that in any other instance in the movie, and and so and, until the and, end, but until the end, but like again, and this is this is what I think is kind of my problem with it is as we're going along, the movie wants you to think that Cassie 
is just got this, you know, wild, reckless. She is going to. She She randomly smashes a guy's car up. Yeah. Yes. She's got this just which we. It feels like we're supposed to be like, damn. She's she's like, (laughs) she's a badass, you know, and it's like. No, she was just parked in the middle of the road, and he was angry about it. And she said, "You're angry. Take and this." Now, now to be fair, and and why I actually I was affected by that scene because of the language that the man right uses he was being a monster, young. of course. Yeah. and I think that is that's part of what the movie wants you to say is like, oh, the language that a man would use against a woman who is stopped in traffic is different than if if she were a man doing the same right. thing, obviously. Right. So the, the movie wants you to think that Cassie just has this absolute, you know, red hot revenge thing that she is doing. And right. she will she will cross moral lines to make that happen. But then actually she hasn't really done anything. She just made people feel really uncomfortable and feel bad and or irritated or irritated with her. And 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 like we never follow up with these people. We never go back to the dean who you know, it's changed her ways or anything. We would probably call the cops. <laughs> yes. And and this is why I think they do it is because they they want they they want this to be completely morally unambiguous. They they don't want Cassie to go around doing these morally reprehensible things in this kind of revenge for something evil that happened to her friend. But they it's a dramatic movie and they want you to feel the tension and the suspense and the drama of, Oh, maybe she is doing it. Right. Like, I feel like, I feel like they're playing games with this character. They want her to be both things. They want her to be this violent revenge thing, you know, in the vein of the bride and kill bill. (laughs) Yeah. Which honestly, I mean that, that, I mean, you think about that movie, I, I wasn't thinking about that movie as I watched Promising Young Woman, but um, th- there there is a she, there is a similarity in this. I mean, there's the bride, even chapters in this yeah, movie. Yeah, the the bride is brutally attacked by a group of people, and 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 she is you know she's raped and just has gone through absolute hell. And then she sets out and she's going to get her revenge. And the movie doesn't care that her revenge is literally killing them all. Um, yeah. And in the most cartoonish. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and and I say the similarity doesn't isn't just in the storyline because it is like Kill Bill and Promising Young Woman are um, uh, visually these very over the top um, with color and imagery uh, kind of uh, the way they're telling their stories. I I, I mean, I want to touch on some of the stuff that I think really worked as well. But yeah. it, it's a bummer because there's such an interesting movie at the base of this, mm-hmm. but it gets covered in, in, in dust, and it's hard to see it for what it mm-hmm. maybe could have been. Like, there's a few moments that I'm like, man, they're really plugging into that grief, or they're really... Mm. Um, like there's a lot of interesting ideas and, and gut punch moments mm-hmm. that are they're, they're punctuating this thing in, in a sea of not knowing what to feel. Yeah, like I think about Molly Shannon shows up as the mom, Nina's mom, and mm-hmm. you know they sit on their porch and they reminisce, and then 
Nina's mom gets up and says, go home, Cassie. you got to get over this. And it's her daughter who's been killed or right. who's, who's not alive anymore. And it's like, that's heavy. And that's interesting to me, right? The, the way that, you know, what you might expect is the mother and this, the best friend to have this connection. And it's like clear that they don't. Mm-hmm. And the mother has found some semblance of stability. Even and, the mother has moved on. Yeah. And not like you don't move on from the death of a child, but she has found some semblance of stability in her life. And Cassie represents something that's going to disrupt that. Right. And that's interesting. But that's not what the movie's about. Right. Or even the rom-com that's buried in this Mm -hmm. thing is like Cassie and what's Bo Burnham's character? Ryan. Ryan. Dr. Ryan. Like a great couple. They have awesome chemistry he's yeah. actually really respectful of her yes. and her like her pace needing to be slower because of just her experience yeah. with gross men yeah. and and there's a one of my favorite moments in the movie is when they've had their first couple dates and they're on a walk and mm-hmm. he's like oh we're at my apartment he's like do you want to go up and mm-hmm. at this point he's kind of shown multiple times that he's a quote-unquote good guy yeah and so him asking that question like like um pushed up against all these other scenes of men being like i mean hey like knowing she's drunk let's go back to my place yes and we we get it we really get that feeling of oh tension very very few people are safe yes even this guy who who's like checked all the boxes so far and i thought that was so effective yeah, and so um, when she says no, and he's like, oh, right, right, and he apologizes. They go their separate yeah. ways, and she's walking away, and she, like, angrily kicks a trash can. Yeah. But because it, it, like, I love that moment because up until that point, she's seemed fairly lifeless in her feelings. Yeah. Like, she's so dead inside from what's happened that she's her whole life is centered around, you know, this revenge or teaching lessons or whatever it is. But you see her, like, I can love someone and be attached to someone again yeah and then they like make me feel unsafe yeah god is that frustrating that yeah it it can never not be like this it feels like and so like there's there's good moments like that um scattered throughout that i i don't know it's tough because those scenes are so great and then the rest of it is so confused okay i i want to say before we continue on uh the tone of this conversation, I think we are critical of the movie, but well, that's why I wanted to like. No, like, no. What I want to say is, I just I want to be very clear about it. I think, I think I I think I'm critical of the movie because it is not executing the huge potential that it has. Do you understand? Sim- what I'm saying? Yeah, similar to Concrete Cowboy. It, yeah. Okay. But but even even I think I think that's this this feels like something. This could be this very special movie. And based on the reaction that people have had and the awards and all of that, I think a lot of people are responding to it. Um, and and there are plenty of people that are saying, yeah, it works, but you know, it, it's it's messy it, and weird. This movie is similar to Concrete Cowboy in that, like, the pain of it, of what could have been. But mm-hmm. the difference, a big difference is um, Promising Young Woman swings for the fences. 
Yes. In a way, but like they, they are going for it in this thing. Yes. And, and so Concrete you, Cowboy is constantly holding back. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. I, I love seeing a movie that's like, you know what, we're yeah. just going to go for it. Yeah. And, totally. and that, that's the pain of it is it, it feels like it was like 75% there. Yeah. And, okay. And like there's a great movie buried here. So I read this uh, this weekend after I watched the movie. Have you heard about the original ending? No. Originally, the movie... So at the end of the film, she gets to this bachelor party, and she gets the um, uh, Al, the uh, Nina's attacker, she gets him in a bedroom alone, uh, handcuffed to a, 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 a bed, and she is going to, like carve nina's name into his body right with a right. you know with a scalpel or whatever he gets free he smothers her and he kills her and it is like it's a shocking thing right your main character of the movie dies 20 minutes before the movie's supposed to end and the original ending the original script that emerald Fennell wrote Cassie dies, and the last shot of the movie was going to be her burned hand floating away in the river, and that was it. There was no plan where she sends the evidence to the right people and has all these prepared messages and gets the guy arrested at his wedding. That's a great movie. Yeah. Or that, yeah, I agree <laughs> with some other scene edits along the way, too. Yes. Like, but, but that... And I and I think if that's the ending you commit to, you have to change some other things in the movie. But, right. but I think that as a that would as have been the end, right move. Yeah, and and she got Emerald Fennell got a lot of studio pressure that she needed to add this, and and I think she's been um, very defensive of the ending that does end up there in there. And I, you know it's her movie and she wrote it, and so you know it, it's just a hard it's hard to yeah it, yeah. It, to tie back to the Harley Quinn thing, and when she dies in the movie, which is a brutal scene to watch, and and fe- it feels it feels so wrong because you're looking for justice too, which is I guess part of what it's trying to say, of like oh, we've been with this character this whole time, and even yeah. the fact that it, the camera's focusing just on him, yeah, you know, yes, like, yes, not it's it slowly zooming in on him yeah. for a long time. Oh, it's a, it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And so again, it's like, it's like almost his movie at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, so when it, it makes that shift and that slow zoom in on him, it, like part of my brain is saying she's gonna wake up. She's not mm-hmm. really dead. Like this is a superhero movie where she's like can come yeah. back, and she yeah. does kind of come back, but not in any sort of satisfying way, you know. And so, yeah, I do feel like that ending would have just hit so much harder and reiterated the point of the 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 system is built for one type of person to succeed yes or or to um you know benefit i mean it's a dark ending it's not it's not a satisfying one but i think i think the ending that's there now is a dark ending and is also not satisfying because it's so unrealistic and and it becomes like you said. It you're expecting this to be a superhero movie, and that's how I felt in the last 15 minutes watching Cassie's backup plan unfold in perfect precision. That the text messages go, you know, to her her ex boyfriend during the wedding, and the police show up at the wedding to arrest the guy. Right? Like, well, there's just so many circumstances where it, it, you're thinking. So, did she assume she was gonna die? Did, yeah. You know, like, like, what was the actual plan here? Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. And and so it becomes this wildly off the rails, unrealistic thing where the movie has never been that way. Because like we talked about earlier, so much of what she does is not much. <laughs> you know, right. she she is not the, you know, caped crusader, you know, wreaking havoc it in in darkness at night against all of these creepy men. Yeah. Uh, she's, e- even in the end, it's like he's arrested, but not for what what is the heart of the movie yeah she's he's arrested for murder not rape yeah and and she gets the video of that event out there so presumably there's going to be you know repercussions of that i I don't remember i think she sends the phone with the video to the lawyer um Uh, i thought it was just a card saying if i'm not back (laughs) yeah no i'm pretty sure she um uh sends uh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the lawyer Green receives a package with the video of Nina's rape. Um, this is the Wikipedia plot summary. Um, so, so she's getting the information out there. So presumably, there's going to be repercussions. But I, I don't know. It's just a tough. I, it, man, I, I, I hate knowing about that other ending. I, I know, and and in like a very meta way, right? Like Emerald Fennell is this like amazing writer director, and I think she is. I think she's got incredible sense and style. I can't wait for her next movie. And yeah, like the compositions in this movie. I don't like. I, yeah, what did you think of the art style? I I thought it was great, and I thought it worked really well. Like, you know, it's I, very candy coated. The whole movie yes yes and i think you know obviously it's a choice uh, you know emerald Fennell is great is a real talent and then like some studio execs and financers presumably men are telling her to change the ending that they don't want the woman to die is like in a very like meta way is like you know some expression of their own complicit complicity and guilt right <laughs> well yeah it, that's that's what's funny about that new ending or the real ending yeah it's like come on like have him go to jail it's like yeah. because what you're what you would have to sit with if he if he get he murders yeah. this woman and cut and friends bachelor party friends help cover him up yeah and it's like go back to normal that's life like that yes. message is a ton of bricks versus like a low simmer yeah. that kind of happens yeah. yeah yeah you just mentioned the art direction of the movie a lot of candy colors and brights and very interesting. Um, very intentionally composed shots um like it's a little r- rococo like yeah how, yeah how like, do you how would you like, over the top uh I, I don't know like um what, what time period would you describe that as um it, it kind of evokes like kind of a renaissance kind yeah. of vibe um like yeah 18th century ornamental like yeah like it's her parents house flowery yeah it feels like everything could be existing in like a side room at a cathedral <laughs> or a David Lynch movie. Yes, yes. Like, like we can't just say that. Oh, the art style is, um, you know, overly bubbly, bubblegum, saturated, yeah. and you know, obviously she's saying something there. It's like, what is she saying? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like the move, the movie on the whole is is beautiful, and there's some, yeah, there's some nice like framed up moments and like very intentionally um, like set design. There's like yeah. really intentional pieces. I love her her family's house. Like, her family's house is crazy. It's amazing. I I so wish more of the movie was there and like longer yes. conversations because it's it's fantastically lived yeah. in. 
and, yes. and and odd like i said and odd that they the, the dinner scene where she brings ryan over to dinner and that they're at this huge table that has the the plastic protection tablecloth over everything like it's just so weird or when allison Bree's character finds her address and yes. they're talking and in that Cass- living cassie's room. always framed up on a couch with like two like yeah like cent- center centered between like two lamps or two statues or you know yep. and it, it always do- it does feel a little like that um that uh, room at the end of 2001 space Odyssey of just like there's there's an odd rhythm of like statue and light and uh, a mixing of eras uh, yeah in like interior design wise yeah um which is cool and i'm like th- like it's it looks good but i don't and, and when it shifts to that style purposely and the coffee shop is like that too. The coffee yeah. shop's got this like yeah. ornamental, very flowery, uh, like framing that happens. And, you know, yeah. her first kiss with with Bo's character is yeah. like framed up with this crazy decorated plate behind her. But it's like they're they're really nice looking moments. I don't <laughs> know exactly. I don't know. I don't know what the point is. What the why the choices? Yeah, what those choices are for? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, like and, I, and I was thinking about uh, that Marie Antoinette movie, some Sofia mm, Coppola, the Sofia Sofia Coppola one, yeah, yeah, where it's like this is a really fun, interesting take on this biopic, yeah, you know, yeah. and and the set, like obviously it's that era, but the but over the, the top it, it, it's the, the expressing the decadence of Marie Antoinette exactly. as, a, as a person, and exactly, and there's so some the, real intentionality there. And so the oddness of things and the the candy coated, mm-hmm. I I I don't know what yeah. I'm supposed to be feeling when I watch these these and, these pieces. It's you know for me it's at times it felt as though Cassie was kind of like um, almost being presented as this like angelic or saintly figure because it very it feels very evocative of like kind of that you know the the fresco church cathedral paintings right mm, like the, right. and the bright colors and the framed ornamentation up. and she's framed up as like a subject of that and she's always sent for the opening shot is her at that club yeah empty couch framed up center yeah and it's a common shot and it's i mean it's her in the middle of the road after she you know uh knocks out all the lights the on dean's that guy's office. car the, the dean's office the lawyer's you know, space. You know, it's funny about that one. The two plants behind her are yeah. both dead. D- totally wilted and dead. Yeah. I know. So I love, I love the intentionality of it. I love what they're doing. I just, you know, and, and maybe good on the movie. I don't, I don't, you know, maybe it's better that it's not the most obvious thing in the world. And there's, there, there's complexity here, but you, you're, you're thinking it's, there's no reason for it. Not that there's no reason that there are, three or four overlapping and contradicting mm, ways I yeah. feel like I'm supposed to be feeling yeah. throughout the movie. Yeah. And like I said, that that really like equal parts of high entertainment, fun, saturated, bubblegum, energy and shoot and and cinematography and editing mm. mixed with the heaviest of themes of grief and yeah. trauma and the yeah. fallout of that and death. Yeah. And th- these don't always play nice. No. And th- that's the thing. I feel that's why this movie is like 
is fun to talk about. Yeah. And also, like, it's like, I feel like it's so close. I know. And, and I, and I, you know, I've kind of expressed to sticking this the landing, you know, like I feel badly because I, 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 I think maybe our conversation gives the impression of maybe disliking it more than we did. Um, because I, I have no complaints about the experience of watching the movie. Right, right. Like, you know, I think about our second movie we watched for the pod, right? I, or our third movie, I Care A Lot. Which I just hated. Which you hated. Yeah. And you, like, hated from start to finish, and the experience was not a fun one. No. Where I thought this was a totally fun experience. These are... Yeah. I, I mean, in yeah. no way regret watching this movie. No, no. And if, I understand... And even for nothing else... Bo and Cassie, Brian and Cassie's relationship, yeah, is so fun and bubbly, and the chemistry so great. And so when we find out that he was at that party where Nina, where the it's crime, devastating, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's the nice guys theme again. Is like, oh, every guy thinks he's a nice guy, and he does this yes. monstrous stuff, you know. Yes, and so those moments are really effective, and, and I know what to feel in those moments. You yeah, know? and that great scene where she confronts him at his office at the hospital. And shows him the video. And, and he, he turns on her so fast. He turns on her. Oh, man. He says that wicked thing of, you know, because she threatens to send it out and get him fired. And he says, great. And then we'll both be failures. We both right. won't be doctors. I mean, that's just. And, and it's like. How quickly. Oh, how, how quickly. quickly men will. Or anybody. When caught. Yes. We'll will, go into self-justification. Or. or uh, yeah. Like protecting themselves. Yeah, I mean, and he starts saying, well, you know, uh, we were just kids. Uh, hey, right. We were just kids. It's like kids in med, med school, you're 24, 25. Like, yeah. Do, do you feel that that what sentiment rings true? Not not to the degree of like such an intense and horrific scene, but like yeah. when someone says something like that, like it was 10 years ago, like I, I remember myself 10 years ago and yeah. obviously I did some stupid stuff, but... I, I don't see it in this haze of like la- of utter lack of like, control. Yeah, and, like the way Madison talks about it. Oh, we were we we, we all drank and blah yeah, blah. Yeah, we blah. all did. Yeah, yeah, we all did crazy things, and who knows what to believe? Uh, no, I I don't. I I think about myself five years ago, and we were like, I was married and trying to adopt our son. Right, like my life was not that different six years ago, and that's that's right. essentially the timeline of the movie because they're all 30 and med school is in your mid twenties. Right. Like, right. Maybe like, 10 I, years ago. Well, it's just a, I, I like that they played with that phrase a lot. Cause it, people yeah. say that in real life all the time of like, man, you know, that was years ago, man. Totally. And I agree. Like you, everyone's a different person in that time span. Yeah. But mm-hmm. to use that as a justification is but always you know, ridiculous. What's interesting to me is some characters uh, uh, Ryan may be the exception he's a doctor and he's in a serious normal relationship with Cassie but basically every other character she encounters who is her age is still in this like weird place of arrested development right Mm -hmm. the bachelor party and like and then like she when she opens the door pretending to be the stripper the nurse stripper at the bachelor party they're just like playing with like blow up dolls and like really just broy dumb stuff they're cavemen yeah, but they're like supposed to be like thirty-year-old doctors, right? Right. <laughs> like it's it's like uh, uh, we were just kids, but y'all are still acting like that, right? 
Right. And, and that's, I think, the case with the men she meets at the clubs. And it's like, you know, Madison at that restaurant in the middle of the afternoon. Oh, my gosh, I haven't been day drunk in ages. Right. Like everybody's yeah. reverting back to this behavior. To, so to use it like age as an excuse. Oh, we were just so young. Doesn't hold up. And I think that's an interesting thing. I think it's an interesting point the movie is making. Yeah. Yeah. Like like I said, there's so many there's so many effective moments like that that I not a lot of movies do yeah. have that blunt of a conversation about those themes and those moments with people, yeah. which is really cool that yeah. th- this is being talked about and feels very timely. Yeah. Um I think yeah, for me for me the biggest thing, I think either throughout the first three quarters of the movie she actually needed to be doing some violent aggressive acts and then has the ending that it has or she had to go through with her revenge in the end and still you know maybe maybe that original ending still happens but there needs to be some some cathartic because the ending is not and, and and even the idea of like great the police are here to arrest him the police that did nothing when Nina reported the crime. Yeah. It's like the police are the heroes. Is that yeah. the, like, uh, yeah, I seriously. Yeah. Cause yeah, <laughs> that, that's why there's no sense of, because, because the movie specifically calls out the way that like police. And I, I don't want to say this is a criticism of police, but almost like, uh, uh, the police departments are so unable to actually deal with this. Like there's not like good policies right. and procedures in place for police to deal with the like, kind of accusations, that happened right. in this movie, right? Like, and then the police get to be the heroes by arresting him finally. <laughs> Her whole journey is that they didn't do anything, yeah, in the first place, and yeah. so, yeah, it's not very cathartic at the end when she's like, "Call the police, yeah, they'll, they'll get him out of here for no. murdering me," which she volunteers for. Yeah, man, because there are there, the movie deals with these things often in effective yeah. ways. Yeah. But see, they see, just I think, didn't stick that landing. See, I think the movie never wants you to question your, as a viewer, your relationship with Cassie. Mm. You're always in every moment on her side because at first it withholds what you might think as like violence or, you know, sadistic behavior. And then the reveal is, oh, she's actually not doing that. So like you could, you, you never have to feel guilty about being on her side. Maybe that's, that's the way, a better way to put it. Yeah, I I just think about to bring Quentin up again. I think about yeah. something like Inglorious Bastards, where mm. it's horrific what they do to people at the end of the yeah. movie. But knowing that the, knowing the history of what actually happened, there is a level of of exercising these horrific demons about yeah. what has happened to humanity by seeing the revenge on and on, in on the screen, knowing it didn't happen. Yes. And so I feel like it's the same thing with this type of movie where it's like, I'd still be on Cassie's side because I really, agree. She's I have wa- no problem with that. <laughs> yeah. She's waging revenge on like the fact that this happens. You yeah. Know? Not these like, oh man, she, she like, I don't know. Yeah. I, violent I, towards I, a man in this I, movie. I, I think the contradiction is that it does not venture or. It ventures into the kind of these like flights of fancy at yes, times. Yes, fantastical, um, fantastical almost, stuff. I actually read one person's interpretation was that 
all, all those like um, crazy moments with her with men or like smashing the car, or, like the you know the confrontational mm. stuff are all yeah. fantasies of her like oh interesting because it's like the next scenes are always her at the coffee shop or, or like mm. doing something mundane at home like just yeah. thinking and yeah. she's like picturing those things happening obviously that's not really in the text yeah. no <laughs> but yeah it's a fun way to watch the movie yeah you, you... Uh, yeah and and again like even as you kind of as we say maybe maybe a lot of the aesthetic is just there for aesthetic sake, there's mm. still a lot of layers here, right? And so it's um, it's plenty interesting. Um, yeah, it, it it's one of those things that we were talking about. You know, the catharsis of like putting that revenge on the screen, and obviously the movie is just that's not what it is. Yeah, and I think those like really gut punch moments are effective, but they are made less effective by the ending right like the and uh, the, the last shot of the movie is a smiley face text message that she which you, you there a wink even okay a winky smiley face that she sends to schedule sends to ryan which scheduled text messages i don't want like yeah that's not a thing and especially you're not gonna get the, the you could do it through a software but like that's for companies to do that whatever right? and like the, the amount that she'd have to do assuming she's gonna die Yes, and also you're not going to get the typing bubbles when you okay. It's just um, uh, of like you know the winky smiley face, like haha, she's got him, and it's like I I don't know I don't know that she has, and also she's she's still dead, right? Like right. you know she she's got him, but she's she's dead, um, right. and and that is. I mean, there is a little nod where she's got a a necklace that has a heart split in two with her her name and uh, Nina's name. Yeah. And so there's a moment we see because the men that murdered or the what's it, Al? Al, yeah. You know, they burned her body. And so the necklace is left over because it's metal. Yeah. And then we cut to the other necklace. And so there's like a sense of her reuniting with Cassie, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely not. I think that's enough. fine. Yeah, it's definitely not enough to be like, yeah, totally worth it. But, but it's like, I, she died, and the movie, you know, it's that going back to what the original ending was. The movie could steer into that as like this tragic thing, and, and, but then it's like, oh no, but she's not really dead. She's she's getting her revenge, and it's like, no, that's not the way this stuff works. I don't like. I don't know. I think wrapping up my thoughts on it as a whole yeah. is, again, just what I've been saying throughout, is that trying to strike that balance between really fun, yeah, high-energy revenge, just like yeah. let, let's, let's exercise these demons through some crazy comical violence. Or, yeah. or and I, okay, it doesn't have to be that, but that's, that, that fun the movie clearly is having, wants to have, and trying to slam that up against the the real grief and trauma that is also uh, yeah. the heart of the movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I think that those two things can work together. I just don't yeah. know if they do here. Or, or just make it a different movie. Because I think, I don't know. I think a movie can still be fun. And, 
I, I understand not wanting to indulge in the violence, right? Because the movie has some very clear things that to say about about violence, about violence against women, and the answer is not like for a woman to, you know, exact her violent revenge, right? But you <laughs> want to see it. But you want to see it. I know. But the movie's not. The movie doesn't let you have it. It never lets you have it. And even the mo- even the moment where you think you're going to get it at Al's bachelor party, where she's now committed to a real act of violence, uh, is stolen away because he overcomes her and attacks her and kills her. Maybe the audience is the gross men who are like, come on, just do it. And yeah. the movie says, snaps out of it and says, no, I'm not going to give it to you. I, seriously. Maybe I've, I've fallen for the trap. If that's the part of it, it's like a bunch of 30... 30 something year old guys that grew up watching Quentin Tarantino movies. Right. And, and our expectation is like, hell yeah, she's going to get her revenge and it's going to be bloody and it's going to be great. And like Tarantino says, it's just so fun. Jan. (laughs) And then it doesn't give you that. And it takes that away from you at every turn. Maybe that's the point. I'm entitled to this. Yeah. And which, Hey, that's a great point. I don't know if it makes for a great ending though. I, I agree. It's, yeah, and I'd be okay with the less satisfying, uh, cathartic ending of her just dying, than the weird last fifteen minutes, which then, I just then the police our yeah, our justice system work. works. The justice yeah. system works after all. Yeah, is kind of the and the punctuation at the end. But yeah, uh, I want to ask. I know we're gonna kind of wrap up here. Um, what did you think about uh, Carrie Mulligan? I thought I thought she was great yeah like i she she won the ability to just the um dissociation that like she displays but then being able to kind of fall in love and hold both those things was was really impressive so yeah i she she's she's amazing i we we just watched her in wildlife uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal a couple months mm. back, and she's fantastic in that as well. So if you like Carrie Mulligan, mm. go check that movie out. It's definitely different pace and vibe than yeah. <laughs> Promising Young Woman, but she's equally as great. Yeah, I I, I think she is phenomenal. I yeah. think she walks that line and moves from scene to scene. Um, and, and like the you can't stop wake, watching her yeah waking up in her parents house and just being utterly like depressed and she plays that so well and then like at a club exuding confidence or you know just doing the drunken thing but like walking into the dean's office and just totally confident with her scheme and like could, she can be really scary yes and, and really empathetic it, it's amazing to me that she is both so believable as yes yeah, she was this top of her class med student and also a, a woman just totally devastated by a real trauma mm. and yeah. i like that's just incredible um i i was gonna say um there's a scene that just sticks out to me that i thought worked so so well it's she has this long day of i don't i'm not sure i don't remember she was maybe doing the thing with the dean or something and she ends up back at her house in the late evening and ryan's there ready to take her on a date they were supposed to go see a movie together and she kind of shrugs him off says i'm really tired and you know she said she was at what at work all day and he's like well i went to the coffee shop and you weren't there they said you took a day off so she's caught in a lie and then 
you know, he's like, all right, I'll see you later. We'll, we'll get together another time. So they don't go on their date. And then she gets all dressed up and goes out to a club to do her little thing that she does with men. And as she's walking out of the club with this guy pretending to be drunk, Ryan walks by and obviously recognizes her. And there's this moment where it's like, oh, Cassie, like, what are you even doing? Right. You know, like you are, you've got this great thing with this great guy. And, you know, it turns out he's got some bad stuff in his past um, right there in front of you. And you're still so obsessive about not only the revenge you're getting on the, these people, but also your just general mission. Right. That, like, that's the thing that gives her life. That's the thing. She says, I'm tired. I had a long day. So she's going to go do this. She's going to go, you know, do, right. do this whole, you know, song and dance with another man. Right. And, and it's not even, yeah. It's not even revenge, even. No, yeah. It's like not even a part of the, the, so the scheme. and given to these men, but yes. it also amounts to, like, no change or effect on them. Well, you want to move on to our segments? All right, let's move on to our favorite shots. And, and fair warning, listener, uh, this was a rental on iTunes, so... Uh, if we are able to screen grab these, we will, but if not, well, maybe we'll put something else up there on the Instagram this week. So Mitchell, what was your favorite shot? I have two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually her hand in the river was a great oh, moment and her like candy coated nails. Yeah. Um, that, and then, but probably my, that, that's just like a nice little hitter, but, um, my, probably my favorite moment, at least the one stuck out to me when watching it was when she, she has her laptop of photos mm. or she has her laptop and the photo screensaver is old pictures of her and Nina. And actually that's mm-hmm. what I wish I had a little bit more of in this movie because mm-hmm. you don't really find out more about the relationship till close to the end. So mm-hmm. I feel like if I would have known the depths and if there are any more context for yeah their relationship, maybe the stuff would be more effective. But anyway, yeah. Um, so she's got, you know, a screensaver of rotating photos of her and her and Nina and um, she's sitting in the dark, mm-hmm. and the, the scene starts with like just a silhouette of what looks like a statue, and um, curtains, and it's nighttime, and it's a really dark room, and then the screensaver lights up Cassie, yeah. and you see her into the couch, and like it's that kind of we- weirdly styled room we talked about, and yeah. then it fades, yeah. and then it lights back up, and it's a different view of her, like a side profile with yeah. the whole room, and yeah. there was just something nice about it. I like when light, um, kind of messes with your expectations because mm-hmm. like because sure. it, it was just it, it just hit the room a lot different than I thought it was gonna be yeah yeah just a nice little depressing moment yeah I, I remember that moment I remember the the, the playing with the light from a, a laptop screen it was interesting yeah yeah my favorite shot was a scene you mentioned just a little bit ago that scene where Allison Bree comes over to the house with the the phone with the tape of yeah. the event and they're in this just absolutely pristine ornate like family room right mm-hmm. like and it's the it's what we've talked about it's this like weird art style and the wallpaper and like giant oil paintings of dogs on the walls and like cassie framed you know just beautifully on this like white couch or whatever and and so it's just all kind of more of the same but then to an extra degree and then the the moment that i'm that i'm kind of specifically talking about is um Madison gives her the phone and then leaves and says, don't ever contact me again. And then, and so Cassie gets the, this phone and then she slides off the couch and she's kneeling on the carpet 
on this like ornate coffee table watching this video and you know she's she's having the experience of basically now seeing for the first time the trauma that's defined the last you know however many years of her life and then also this moment where she recognizes her boyfriend's voice in the video and then you get this wide shot of the room and she's on her knees in the middle of this in this ornate cathedral-like room and and i this is like totally me reading my own experiences into this shot i don't think this is what the intention was but there was like this element of like cassie's on her knees like at a pew in a cathedral and there's not not that she's worshiping this but there is like this really very spiritual experience about everything that she's feeling from the pain uh, of this reliving this and and all of this is like built up by the art direction right like mm-hmm. I, you know it's totally uh, evoked because of, of the setting but then also like like what this means for her in her quest for revenge like this thing that's divine to her life and and her mission and how this is this is both the source of extraordinary pain but also this is the answer she's been looking for and I, I just there was a lot there and it was like this very real moment of um and I just the the framing of it was really powerful to me um mm. and because it felt like in some ways it it broke the rule where she's not you know perfectly defined uh, in the center of the frame on a couch but now she's on her knees and and kind of falling apart this is the most vulnerable she is probably up until actually vulnerable she pretends to be vulnerable quite a bit right. this is this is the most vulnerable she probably is up until this point in the movie. The moment it all snaps. Um, yeah, so favorite shots. But a lot, of, I mean, there's a lot of pretty stuff to look at in this movie. A lot of beautiful art direction. Um, and Letterbox review. Yeah, letterbox reviews. Um, yeah, what'd you get it, give it, Mitchell? Um, I changed it during this podcast, oh, actually, which is becoming a tradition. Yep. Which is fun when you talk about a movie, you change your mind. Um, I originally had two and a half. Because, mm-hmm. again, I couldn't reconcile the themes with the fun rhythm and and overall, yeah. you know, style, whatever. And so I gave it two and a half, changed it to a three, because I think it, it's, like, so close to being great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I gave and it a three. I, I gave it a three for that ending, for that original ending. For the original ending, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Boy, I tell you, if that if that movie had ended that way and I didn't know about the ending and was I was totally shocked by it, that would just that, I mean that would floor me. Yeah, that would be like uh, four and a half. Yeah, I mean that would have been a magic trick, right? Like yeah. what what they pulled off uh, is incredible. Um, where where what maybe maybe the ending that exists now in some ways feels more like a magic trick because of what Cassie pulls off, but it's, it, it, it feels so reverse engineered. It's it, like Chris it, Angel levitating. It's like, okay, you have a production team versus <laughs> David Blaine is like, what, why did that frog just come out of your mouth? It's cause he swallowed it hours earlier with a gallon of water. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I gave it three and a half stars. I, I just, it, it swings really hard and yeah. which you I, gotta love. Yeah. You love and, to see it. Hopefully. And I think it's, I think it's really messy and I think that's what it, holding back for me from giving it, you know, four stars. But, um, I, I think it, I think it is so often effective. It's not 
it's just not consistently effective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, I, boy, I don't know. I, it's one of those things where I feel like our going into our conversation about Promising Young Woman, I expected it to go a lot of different ways and didn't honestly expect uh, a lot of what we talked about today. But I think that that is the mark of a, of a movie that's in some ways good. And I think that's, we agree, this is a good movie that's worth your time. Yeah. If you can handle um, the really, really troubling subject matter. So Matthew, what is happening this weekend? This weekend, it's a big day. It's I, I uh, jokingly or not refer to it as the uh, Super Bowl weekend for movie lovers. It is the Academy Awards, the culmination of all the uh, awards that have been going on in the last few months, and it is kind of the most prestigious and, and, and prominent and important for whatever import, importance it has. The Golden uh, Men. Uh, yes, uh, the, the the Oscars um, of movie awards, and and I think for us, um, I I don't uh, maybe we mentioned this on an early pod, but it's worth kind of mentioning again because it is Oscars this uh, Sunday. Um, I kind of we, we you know growing up in the especially in like the late '90s and early 2000s, you know the internet was not what it was what it is now, and so it wasn't like there was constant conversation about movies of every kind and genre all the time. And so like for me as like a ten year old in a house where we we just didn't like I don't know we didn't talk about what kind of stuff is really good or whatever. My barometer for what was important movie going was what was winning at the Academy Awards, which is like, you know, for a nine-year-old and it's like Shakespeare in love and I'm like not interested in this movie. Um, and, and I remember like it was a big deal when, you know, I was old enough to started having seen some of the movies that were nominated, right? Right, right. Um, having a, an awareness of them. Having an awareness of them or, or even like going and seeking, and them see, seeking them out because they were nominated. Um, you know, we, we talked about no country for old men. I remember the, the year slumdog millionaire won best picture mom and I went to the theater and saw that movie the day it won best picture because, Oh, it was nominated for a bunch of things. And as it, silly as award shows are, they do yes. bring to your attention some stuff that might be worth your time. Yes, and and that is something that I really love about it, and and why I love movies, and and I've said this before, but their movies really are like the last kind of big, mass popular culture that we have because everything's become so. There's so many, even TV. There's so many things to watch, music, you know, but but movies, they they just are. They take longer to make, and there are fewer of them, yeah. and as many as there are, you know, still. So many, many, many people are going to watch Promising Young Woman because of its awards attention, and 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 that's a huge part in it. Um, so Academy Awards are next weekend. We're we're excited. We've seen a lot of these movies um, that are nominated, and um, you know we, we might we may do something, but we're not going to do a, an Oscar episode. Our our version of the Oscar episode is well, what did you say it was, Mitchell? It's Oscar Redemption Week. 
Oscar Redemption Week. We're going to pick a movie uh, recently, a couple years ago, that we believe, uh, that I personally believe should have won at least some awards and won nothing at the Academy Awards. Um, That is 2017's Lady Bird. What up, Sacktown? Lady Bird, directed by Greta Gerwig. It is an amazing movie, one of my favorites of the last 10 years or so. And our personal connection, Lady Bird, is uh, filmed, takes place right here where I am in the Sacramento region and where Mitchell is from, obviously. Um, and so I, I, I just, I love this movie. Um, and uh, I don't like Shape of Water, which is the movie that won Best Picture that year. And Black. Uh, Lady, yes. Did you ever see Shape of Water? Yeah, I'm a thing. Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth all day. Pan's Labyrinth all day. I you know, I know I like I like Guillermo del Toro. I just didn't like that movie. But Lady Bird is so good. And I just I think it's an interesting movie because it got a lot of awards attention and but it's not a typical Oscar. Nominated for a lot and won nothing. And yeah, so not, it's gonna win our at- affection and attention next week. And we and we will talk about kind of its place and the awards and all of that and why maybe it got a lot of that kind of Oscar attention. And it's because it's not a typical Oscar movie. Um, but it is just so and we, and we so might good. chirp in with some some rapid fire reactions to the um the winners for next weekend. Yes, yes. We 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 will have some content and uh, right now Lady Bird is available on Netflix to stream, so um it's not too hard to find. And uh yeah, I'm excited about that. In the meantime, Mitchell, where can everybody find us? Mostly on Instagram. I'd like yes. to say Twitter, but mostly on Instagram at movies while they sleep. Favorite shot, uh coming attractions you know, a random meme thrown thrown in here or there from us. Uh, get a, get at us on Instagram, and as always, uh, write a review, leave a rating. It helps us get heard and seen by the almighty algorithm. And, That's on uh, Apple Podcasts. On Apple Podcasts, and uh, yeah, and email us at uh, movieswhilestheysleep at gmail That's right. Uh, otherwise that's all we got thanks for tuning in for our episode on Promising Young Woman Mitchell you got one more thing as always our theme music our Uh, incredible theme music is by the equally incredible Andy Carhall who can be found on Instagram at C-A-R-R-H-A-L-L Carhall we will see you next week for our Oscar Redemption episode rewatching Lady Bird good night y'all Bye. Nah, 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 nah. A candy-colored clown they call the Sandman tiptoes to my room every night okay. just to sprinkle stardust and a whisper. Go to sleep. Everything is all right. <laughs> I close my eyes.